Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk. And I'm Annie Krigbaum. Annie, what's up this week? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. I'm seeing a light at the end of the tunnel because I just started going to an outdoor, socially distant, uh, mask-required CrossFit gym. And I realized it was like the first time in six months that I've like interacted with strangers and it's kind of giving and me. And like that's a what you chose to do. <laughs> yes, I that mean, sounds like, like my personal hell. I know, but it's as we I think discussed on last week's podcast. I had started a very short-lived Instagram account called the Anxiety Baker, which I had thought would chronicle my trials and tribulations of baking during quarantine. This is when the beginning of quarantine, when we thought that it was going to be like a few months, and I was making co- about a sheet of cookies every day. And eating half a sheet of cookies between me and my husband every day. And uh, I gained like 10 pounds or 15 pounds. And so now I'm doing socially distant cross to get back to my pre-quarantine bod. I wish I was taller just so I could carry a few more pounds, you know? I feel like it's really unfair to be the shorter side of the... I mean, welcome to my life too. I'm 5'8 and 3 quarters, internet 5'11, sometimes 6 foot. But that's pushing it. (laughs) I've always said that I'm very proportionate, though. Me too. People are shocked. I don't look that small, but I'm 5'8 and 3 quarters, if we're being honest. Speaking of people who are shorter in stature, my mother and I have been going back and forth this week because she wants a new skincare routine, or regimen, I should say. And uh, she wants it to be exclusively Paula's choice, and she trusts Paula and her choices. And I was like, mom, I'll help you figure this out. Like I'll go on the website and I will, I'll like put together a routine for you. And I realized that, Hey, this is like actually white space in the beauty industry where like, how do you, if you don't like know what to get, like who's putting together products for you? Like these websites are just recommending things based on clicks. They're not recommending things based on like anything personal relating to you. Because you go on the Paula's Choice website and there's 20 moisturizers, there's 20 toners, there's all these different BHA liquids and mists and essences. And then like, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a quote unquote expert and I got really confused and I have been hesitant to even just make my recommendations. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't, and also is Paula's Choice the best choice? Is Paula's Choice the right choice for like women of a certain age? I, I think mean, it's a pretty Paula. good one. I don't know. I, I'm really into just prescription retinol. It's cheaper. You know what's in it, I think. And that's really all that you need. Everything else is just like the gravy on top, I think. But like you don't think you need like one of those BHA, AHA toners? I mean, I do love Polish Choice 2% BHA. And I saw that this, I, we sound like such like basic like humans right now, but I saw on the Nordstrom anniversary... <laughs> sale which i'm just it's coincidence because i want to buy barbara Sturm. i told you yeah i want because i want i want Haley bieber skincare routine which i don't think i'm actually deserving of the issue with Haley bieber skincare routine side note is that Haley bieber is 25 years old so like they're you know that's i did that's not why have, her skin looks like if that. i were okay if i were 25 and had her skincare routine my skincare would look that amazing at 25 i didn't have that skin when i was 25 fair you knew me when i was 25 you had good skin. No, no, no. I, I was so stressed about coming to work at Into the Gloss that I had terrible, terrible, terrible cystic acne and bleach blonde hair. I remember it looked like a wig. 
when I yeah. started. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You had like Edie Sedgwick vibes. You had like a tattered like fur coat too. I had tattered everything. <laughs> I was not like, it was very rags to um, nicer rags story. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to do Haley Bieber skincare routine. Where did you see her routine? I Googled it. Oh, and did she have one of those like get unready with me or get ready with me? She videos? has all of them, but there's articles, you know, that will break it down for you. So you don't have to watch it, which I appreciate. But basically, Barbara Sturm, I think, is out of all the like luxury skincare brands, has done the best at catering to celebrities. She'll like set up facial suites like during Fashion Week in Paris. Like she'll do all this like promo exclusively with celebs. Where does so she I get like, the money? I mean, I think her product line is ubiquitous. It's literally everywhere. The thing that I want, sorry, last thought on the subject, and then uh, I know our producer is going to kill us because this is too long. Uh, <laughs> they do a cream where Barbara Sturm and Haley, they take your blood, they separate out the white, like the plasma or whatever bullshit, yeah. and then they put it into the cream. So and then like that's your face cream. That's your face cream with your own like cells in it. That's pretty cool. I bet that's so expensive. I want it. And you can't order it online. I've heard that the hyaluronic acid serum that Barbara Sturm has is really good, but it's like $300. It's insane. I know. And my I like- my cart right now is um, $1,200 for... <laughs> and I'm, I'm a smart person. <laughs> Yeah, I know that this that. is not like the right decision to make. Send me your cart contents and I'll create like a dupe list for you. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cool. Should we get into top stories? Let's do it. So L'Oreal made headlines this week for plans uh, that were revealed in an email from the head of HR at L'Oreal to the staff that CNN got a hold of that basically said that they're increasing their maximum of 25% of employees working from their office to 50%. So meaning they're now going to have half of their employees back in the office. And the email said, quote, you'll be expected to be on site if you are assigned by your manager to be on site, unless you have approved paid time off or a reason that's been already approved by the company. And employees are obviously upset and concerned considering that we're still in the middle of a pandemic and they're now being required to come back into the office with, I mean, there will be temperature checks. There will be, you know, whatever the CDC guidelines require, but I mean, I would never feel comfortable going back into an office environment right now. And a lot of people don't have the luxury of being able to say no to their employer. And a lot of people don't have the luxury to take all of the necessary precautions. I mean, realistically, you know, having to travel in like a packed subway train to get to the office. I also think it's ridiculous because like, what are they doing at L'Oreal that requires them to be in person? Like every, I think what we've all figured out, especially, I mean, I guess I can say in particular, like what I figured out in our industry is so much of what we did do in person can easily be done on Zoom or on the phone, maybe we're not as productive because we're working from home and we're a little bit more distracted. But certainly like at L'Oreal, if you're in marketing at Urban Decay, there's not something that you are unable to do from the comfort of your own home. I actually called my lawyer right before we got on the phone today to record and asked her what she would recommend that I do if I were in the situation that I was expected to go back into an office. And she basically said, you have to make the decision for yourself, 
but certainly do not sign any waivers that the company might be asking you to sign that would sort of waive your right to have an issue if you got sick or someone in your family got sick as a result of you being exposed to the office, whatever the waiver might say. She said, don't sign anything. And you have to kind of make your own decision and weigh the risks yourself because she said there's not going to be a definitive answer for whether companies are responsible for employees getting sick. Yeah, there's like no precedent for a to few, this really. Yeah, for a few years. So so right now it's we're all kind of just like writing the rules ourselves. Dick Page said that he had to sign a waiver, remember? Yeah, and she said it's one thing to sign a waiver, you know, if you're going into a gym because that's something you're doing, you know, for pleasure and not, you know, out of necessity, but it's another thing if your employer is asking you to waive your rights. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And we will we will see whether, I mean, this article that we read in CNN has any bearings on whether L'Oreal, you know, rolls back its plans. In other news, I think the stakes are a little lower on this one, but maybe not for some skincare junkies. Um, Kylie Jenner, Kylie Skin launched a blemish line. Okay, we just basically, we have a lot of influencer beauty stories this week. I think everybody was like holding off until Fenty Skin launched for them to do their August, late July launches. This is not news. Normally, we don't cover new brand launches. It just kind of goes along with our theme of talking about these like influencer brands that seem to not pay any mind to what the needs and wants being vocalized in the skincare community are. So for instance, her blemish line, she has basically what is a liquid lipstick applicator for a salicyclic acid treatment, which if you care about skincare, you know that that's like something that you don't want to be doing is pressing a something against the bacteria on your face and then putting it back into its home with the rest of the product so it contaminates it. So it's an ill-conceived blemish product. A lot of people think these entire lines are ill-conceived, right? And it's just, if it, to me, it's fascinating that they can still be wildly successful while not catering to the people that are very loud online about like what they want in skincare. Like everybody knows not to put fragrance in skincare, right? If you like want to appeal to the beauty junkies yet, like we talked about last week, it's in every product that Fenty Skin has launched. So what's funny though is that Kylie Skin's clarifying collection is all fragrance free which is interesting you know considering that you'd think her customer would probably not mind a little bit of fragrance the other kind of interesting collab or influencer line that was announced this week was alicia keys is creating a quote lifestyle beauty collection for elf cosmetics and number one like i feel like it's random that elf cosmetics is doing something with alicia keys like why elf cosmetics and number two, you know, as Manny Makeup commented, Manny, the uh, the YouTuber, you know, isn't her whole thing like not wearing makeup? So like, why is she creating makeup? You, Annie, said that you thought it might be more skincare focused, which would make more sense. There's um, an Instagram account called Trend Mood One, and that's where I follow them just to get kind of these sort of beauty updates. And I was cracking up because... <laughs> They basically posted a what to me looks like an internal a slide from like an internal PowerPoint of like a headshot of Alicia Keys. She looks great. And then underneath it in like Arial font, it's like lifestyle beauty brand by Alicia Keys, as if that's the name of the brand, which it might be. But I'm just am I the only one that thinks it's like hilarious that it's called lifestyle beauty brand, like the driest, most like 
<laughs> Those are marketing terms that you use like internally when you're like at like L'Oreal and you're saying this year we're going to be doing a lifestyle beauty brand with an international like celebrity. Like we're not a normal beauty brand, we're a lifestyle beauty brand and we're going to have candles too. I mean, I think that people are just seeing the success that Rihanna and Kylie are having with pretty low lift, you know, beauty lines. And they're like, why can't I just do that? But why are you calling it lifestyle brand? (laughs) Surely that can't be the name. Anyway, I think it's skincare. Obviously, she doesn't wear makeup. That's her whole thing. It's clearly a skincare focused line, you know. Brava. I'm excited for them. And then also we have Selena Gomez. Who Selena we Gomez. Know, we, we have known is cooking up rare beauty because we've seen a few promo uh, videos on it. But they also announced, I think two weeks ago, that they were creating the Rare Beauty Fund for $100 million that will be donating the money for the next 10 years to mental health resources. So 1% of sales will also go towards mental health resources. I think this is probably related to the fact that Selena has been, you know, honest and open about her mental health issues and, you know, wanted to give back as part of the brand. I like that. You know, if an influencer is going to launch a brand, then having a huge like CSR initiative attached is I think the way to do it. Otherwise it just, I don't get it. I get it, but I don't get it, and it's upsetting to me. (laughs) Also, in other Selena Gomez news, she's launching a cooking show. It's called Selena Plus Chef, I think. And it's basically going to be her on Zoom learning how to cook with like famous chefs. Well, I think it's smart because there's a huge vacuum in the cute internet food content space now that Bon Appetit is... What is Bon Appetit anymore? Who knows? Well, they, they just announced today three of the people of color who are on camera talent are all leaving after, I guess, attempting to negotiate or renegotiate their contracts. Hey, you got to do what's right for you. Breaking news as we're recording this, Megan Thee Stallion is Revlon's new face. Oh, wow. She released a promo photo on her Instagram. She looks great. It's like a blue eyeshadow look, cut crease, you know, very glam. And apparently she did the makeup herself. So I think this sounds like a very normally, you know, as we've just discussed with these like beauty brands, they seem very inauthentic and whatever. Um, I think this sounds right on the money. Thank God for Revlon. I feel like they've been struggling for the past couple of years. I know. I love Megan Thee Stallion and I'm really happy for her. And maybe this will sort of help make Revlon relevant to like a new generation. I mean, here's hoping. Back to the pseudo-celebrity that we don't quite understand, but we know is important to our industry news. Addison Rae, famed TikToker, now best friends with Kourtney Kardashian. Very strange. My friend Brian actually loves this story, which is that Kourtney Kardashian gave Addison Rae as a present to Mason, her son, for like his 10th birthday. She like presented him with Addison Rae. (laughs) That's how they met. I... Addison Ray, for those who are unfamiliar, became famous on TikTok for doing like sexy choreographed dances. Um, and, and when we say so... sexy, we mean in like the Britney Spears sexy kind of way, where it's like yeah. she's a, t- a young teenager and, and like doing these like sexy dances tops. in her bedroom in crop tops. She's so famous though that she was actually name checked in a song. She's beautiful. And I mean, there's a reason she's successful. It's just like she's mesmerizing to watch. You've probably, if you're an Instagram user, which I'm sure most of our readers are (laughs) readers, 
listeners are, um, <laughs> you've probably seen her videos reposted from TikTok on Instagram. Clearly, she knows what she's doing. Now, her whole family's famous, right? Yeah, they have a podcast. They're fellow podcasters and friends of the pod. And she just launched a brand called Item Beauty, which seems kind of unremarkable. It's actually launching on August 11th. And it is, uh, according to the Instagram bio, clean beauty, lush ingredients, fresh face, all you. There's like a brow pencil. There's uh, mascara. There's a lip gloss. And it all this is looks, for, it's like. Sorry for interrupting. I just felt strongly about something. And that is, I hate the word clean. There's no definition of the word clean. I think it's elitist. I think it's like saying if you can't afford goop products that are quote unquote clean, you are quote unquote dirty, right? Like clean food, clean wine. I have a huge problem with this marketing term that doesn't mean anything. Speaking of clean wine, we're thinking about doing an episode on like what is clean wine because, you know, it's quarantine. We're all drinking a lot of wine. And if anyone else is interested in that, please DM us and let us know. I'll drink it. <laughs> I just you'll won't, drink it. You'll just talk I just shit won't, about I it. I won't like put it on other people. Like I won't be like, oh, you should really look into clean wine. Like fair. So I think that's it for top stories. That's it. Let's get into our interview. So Annie, you actually found our next interview. He is a TikTok star and also an Instagram influencer. And you, I think, found him through a friend of yours who was like, you need to follow this guy and talk to him because he has a men's wig line that he sells, which is, I think, the only men's wig line uh, for, I should say, like for young men. So not like toupees, but rather like fashion wigs, fashion wigs for men. His name is Edward Zoe. And we actually spoke to him last week, but in the midst of all this TikTok drama. So we got his take on, you know, the future of TikTok and what he would do if TikTok disappeared, which President Trump is threatening to ban it in the United States. And now Microsoft is making plans, hatching plans to buy it from ByteDance. Well, there, it seems like there, I don't really understand how all of this works. I'm not a corporate lizard person overlord, but they're looking at purchasing the rights to operate TikTok in several areas, including the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So I guess, yeah, they would own it and operate TikTok in those areas. And so there's this huge article on CNN about how Microsoft having a foothold in China could go either way for them being able to acquire TikTok like this. Anyway, we all, I think we can all agree that like this whole situation is like very bizarre that Trump even cares. Well, it's not so bizarre if you think about A, the fact that it's, you know, owned by a Chinese company and B, the fact that they basically made a mockery of his Tulsa rally. Like it would, it's totally understandable that he would then target TikTok and say that it was. Well, he needs to be going after the the K-pop idols then. True. Which he better not because you know what my dream interview would be on this podcast? Who? Blackpink, specifically Ginny. Oh, really? I don't. I don't they're the I'm biggest. Not a, I'm not a K-pop follower. I just found out about them, and they're the only ones that I follow. I would say Edward's look, who we're about to interview, is very much in line with the K-pop, K-pop men, K-pop boy groups. So think like NSYNC, but Korean. Huge, huge, huge superstars. They really push it when it comes to beauty and fashion, like way more than we've ever seen in the U.S. for men. So a lot of wigs, a lot of like 
crazy hair colors, makeup. I was going to say, yeah, men's makeup in Asia is considered much more normal than it is here. Right. So we talk all about that with Edward and take a listen. Are you from Los Angeles? No, I'm actually from um, Northern California. And I just, so I moved down to LA for two reasons. I wanted to do acting and I wanted to do music. And when I got to LA, there was a very sobering reality. Like I, I came here bright eyed and bushy tailed a few years ago. And I was like, I'm going to be in movies. I'm going to, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to go to class. I'm going to go to auditions. Then I'm going to like book a really big role, very positive attitude and all that. And then I got here and I was like, oh, actually, there's a lot of racial politics. There's a lot of bullshit that happens. And so um, actually, I'm still with a great agency right now. And I'm going out for really big projects because Crazy Rich Asians, like really, that just came out two years ago. That movie like changed the game because it did so well. And it was an all Asian cast. The type of auditions I was getting before that movie and then after is like night and day. What were you getting before? Before I was getting things like computer guy number two with like no lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, yeah, sure. My agents and stuff would be like, well, Edward, you don't have any experience and we need to like get you in on these things. And I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But like Jonathan from freaking Ohio just moved here with no experience and he's, he's getting auditions for the lead role. So what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know? So I came out here to do, to do acting, but then I realized, wow, there's a lot of, politics racism. involved in this space and it's a lot of racism there's a lot of bullshit that happens and that's not to say that doesn't happen in any other industry but in hollywood a lot of things you can't really speak up because if you do then you get blacklisted so you're seen as like difficult to work with or like a potential exactly, liability exactly so then i decided well i need to kind of take things into my own hands and make my own content and people like Issa Rae really inspire me because she's she basically created a YouTube series because of lack of opportunity. And then now she has her own show on HBO that's co-signed by Shonda Rhimes, who is amazing, who does Grey's Anatomy and all those big iconic shows and Oprah is co-signing her. So it's like seeing things like that inspires me because it's like, okay, sure. Maybe I have to work harder than the next person, but it's instilled a, uh, insatiable work ethic inside of me where it's like, okay, even though things aren't fair and even though I may have to work harder, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. If I try hard enough, it, things could move and things could happen even if I have to move mountains to make that happen. So I recently launched Men's Wigs. For the longest, longest time, I've always wanted to do like some kind of wig for guys because all the guy, all the wigs that were out there were, you know, stuff for like your dad or something, like a toupee or even the... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's back <laughs> yeah. up, let's back up, let's back up. How did you get into wigs? And like, tell me a little bit about the wig, you know, scene. Well, because when I first started my YouTube channel, after I had this revelation, like, oh, okay, I need to start making my own content. I started my own YouTube channel. And then what I was doing was I was doing like social experiments, like prank videos, you know, like silly, fun things like that. And then I realized, well, those are fun, but it's not very brand friendly. And it's not, I can't really make a living out of that and work with brands and do all this. I mean, I can, but it's not something that is, is something that I see long-term of what I want to do. And so I started, I switched over to lifestyle. So I did a video that was like a Justin Bieber hair tutorial video. And at the time 
you know that hair he had with the side swoop like side yeah. swept <laughs> yeah exactly yep. See, even even uh, i don't have to say exact hairstyle and you know it because it's it was so kind of prevalent and relevant in pop culture and i did a little tutorial thing like that on that um hairstyle and i think it got like a million views wow i was like whoa this is actually a space where guys want to learn about how to do their hair this is something that people want to see. So then my very next video, I right away, I started planning. I was like, I need to put out my own hair product line. Brands were already contacting me after that video saying, hey, promote our hair product line. And I love working with brands, but it's like, I have the know-how and I have the passion. Like, why don't I just start my own hair product line? So I started it and it's called Moon Fiber. And there's six products and um, there's three different phases. So there's phase one, which is like the pre-styler phase two, which is like the main stuff. And then phase three is like your finishing. So like a hairspray and what have you. So a lot of guys, for the most part, they go to Target and then they have their one pomade and that's all because they don't know about all the other things that you can do. Like, okay, if you want volume, well, if you're going to use like a texturizing powder, right? Or, oh, if you have frizzy hair, you need to use kind of like a hair serum and then a blow dryer to kind of get rid of that frizz. And a lot of guys didn't know that. So I kind of started using the platform as an educational tool to tell guys, okay, this is how you do your hair. And then also simultaneously, I had my own product line. And then, because I've always been into, you know, fashion, grooming, and like hairstyle, like that kind of stuff. So I've always been dyeing my hair for the longest time. You know, K-pop has really influenced me as well with all the crazy colors that the guys over there do. Because in America, guys are kind of, or, you know, recently it's changing, but they're they're more like hesitant to try out like different looks or different colors and things like that. But in Asia, that's been happening for a very long time. So um, I was looking over there for inspiration and I've, I've always been like coloring my hair. But the thing is like when you color your hair, it's very damaging. So your hair texture changes and like things I could do with my hair before I dyed it just wasn't doing it after I dyed it. And then the maintenance was like very annoying because in order to have that like Instagram worthy color, you always have to keep like maintaining it. It doesn't just stay. What's Instagram worthy color? Meaning like, like very vibrant. Like for example, if I wanted a hair color with like pastel roots, like a baby blue roots and then like a, like the pink tips. If I had my hair color that like naturally that and I dyed it, every time I take a shower, the color would be coming off. It'd be fading. It would last like two days, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it doesn't have that like fresh pop of color that, that looks great for Instagram. Whereas like in a wig, it's like you're not washing the wig or washing or taking a shower every day. So it lasts longer. So I was like, okay, I need something where I can like have something for Instagram content to like switch it up. Or just if I want green hair today and blue hair tomorrow, I want to be able to switch it up like that. So I went online and I was like looking for men's wigs and everything that came up like looked atrocious like it was really bad it was either like your dad's toupee or like if it wasn't a toupee it was just the style wasn't there it was just it looked like a helmet it was just bad I looked far and wide I couldn't find anything so then I decided well I'm gonna start making my own and I'm gonna start producing my own and and this was years and years in the making and finally this year I launched it and at the time when we launched it there was no other store at least that I could find that was selling what I was selling. A month after I started selling these wigs, now it's like so many other people are trying to do it, but I know for a fact it's not the same thing because the way that I produce it, it's like there's a proprietary element to it where it makes it literally the best men's wig hands down, like real, super realistic, that it's handcrafted, everything is just top to bottom, like the Rolls Royce of men's wigs. The Rolls Royce of men's wigs, I like that. Yes. 
And now what's happening is people are DMing me saying, hey, did you authorize for this company to use your pictures? And I'm like, no. So now there's like all these like random companies. Like You're being hundreds, ripped off. There's hundreds of them stealing my TikTok videos, stealing my, my pictures, using my image to sell their like scam, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're selling, but it's not this. There's hundreds of websites. So each, each time one gets taken down, a new one pops up. And they're spending a lot of ad money to push out this content using my my image. So it's like I'm dealing with that right now as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, like having this happen. It's really frustrating, especially when you've worked so hard on it. And how were how are sales? They're great. They're amazing. Where are most of your customers? All over. They're in the U.S. There, some of them are in Europe. Uh, some of them are in Asia, like in Japan and Korea. But because this is such a new product in a space that hasn't been, for example, in the art world, if someone wanted to say a piece of painting is like $20,000 and they built up the hype behind themselves, they could sell it for that because there's that precedence and there's that culture where people appreciate art and they will be willing to spend that. But in the hair world, because guys to begin with, culturally in America, at least we don't really, they don't really know that much. So when you come out with a premium product, like a a hand-sewn, 100% top-grade virgin, raw human hair that is hand-sewn, that has like a, a custom pattern on it. They don't understand all of that lingo and that language. So right away, they're just like, oh, well, what's the difference between this and a $20 wig on Amazon? Like, it's just... Yeah, there's like a learning curve that, that needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But so a, to be clear, like the wigs that you make are about $1,000. Right. But what people don't understand, when they hear that price, they're like, oh my God, that's, that's like way too much money. And I, it is a lot of money, but I, there, the thing is like, there's a lot of components that go into it. Just like when you say, oh, well, why does this Birkin purse cost 20K and then I can get a purse at Target for $20? Like, what's the difference? To the untrained eye, you could say they're the same, right? But if you really break it down and look at the details, there's so many intricacies um, that go into it. And so there is a learning curve with the with the audience where you're like, you have to educate them and say, hey, guys, like, this is what's happening and this is why... It costs that much. This is why the price is justified. It's best to start premium, right? And then do something more mass afterwards. It's harder to go more premium if you start on a more mass level, right? Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, I wanted to start with a product that was something that I'm proud of and that I I was looking for because as a consumer, I saw what was out there and I didn't want to get a $20 party city wig because if that was what I wanted, mm-hmm. I could have just got it on my own. But I wanted something that looked super realistic, that looked like my own hair. When I first posted it on Instagram and I told people that it was a wig, like the video, they were like, what the heck? There's no way that's a wig. And I got all these DMs from like so many influencers that are guys that were like, yo, send me one of those. Like I need, I need one of those. <laughs> so how do you sell them primarily? So right now it's just through the website online. And a lot of people are finding out about you through TikTok, right? That's kind of, that's actually originally why I wanted to reach out was because Nick has TikTok. I don't have TikTok. I know that it's, it's such an important platform for a lot of different industries now, but especially in beauty. And my friend was like, you have to see this guy. He does, he did the skincare video. It blew up. So can you kind of tell us about how you got started in TikTok and what the platform is like from your experience? Yeah. So With all that being said, with everything we just talked about, my number one passion is actually not wigs, not being an Instagram influencer. It's actually music. And with TikTok, basically what happened was TikTok came out like I want to say a year or I started getting really, really hot like recently. But even before then, like I would say this time last year, people were still not really taking it that seriously. 
And so I had TikTok. I never really used it. And I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's, it's an app. It's, it's cool. But then my friend, he basically, because of TikTok, he's now a signed artist at Capitol Records. And I saw it happen like right in front of me. And it happened within the time span of like three months, like zero, literally zero to 100. And that was very inspiring for me because I, I saw it happen right in front of my eyes. So I realized at that point, like TikTok is such a powerful platform, not just if you want to be like, quote unquote, Instagram or TikTok famous, but you can actually launch a legitimate career from this platform that I wasn't seeing on the, the type of growth. I wasn't seeing it on YouTube or on Instagram. Sure, you have your YouTube stars, you have your uh, Instagram stars. But the trajectory and the time, I had not seen anything like it that I've seen on, on TikTok. What was your first big like breakthrough TikTok video or moment? So my first big TikTok video was uh, um, I was like wearing my pajamas or like my at-home clothes. And then I transformed into like the like going to out version, which is like I had this cool blazer on, like my hair was done and everything like that. So that video went viral. And then actually Balmain Paris, the um, the clothing company, this is what TikTok told me. TikTok wrote me, like their creator team wrote me an email and they said, listen, Balmain handpicked you like one out of five creators on the entire platform. And I was like, are you kidding me? They handpicked you and they want you to go to this event with Carla Delevingne and Olivier, who's the creative director. And we want you to like walk the red carpet. We want you to like go to the show and be like one of our first TikTok creators to work with Balmain. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So um, off of one video that happened. How long had you been on the platform before then? Um, Like maybe two months. Oh my gosh. Two months. (laughs) Yeah. So it it happened really fast. You have to get it within the first few seconds. So it's like, if you're going to upload a video on YouTube, you have six minutes to like tell your story, right? But I mean, sure, you have to have your hook within the first minute on YouTube or, or even in any movie. Like if you watch a movie, maybe you have, they have to catch your attention in the first 10 minutes. But with TikTok, it's that, but like condensed down to one minute. So you have one minute to tell your story, up to one minute to tell your story. Most people do like 15 seconds or a uh, video, but you have a maximum of one minute. And then within the first minute, you have to decide, okay, what am I going to do or talk about within that minute or the 15 seconds, whatever you choose, um, what am I going to do within the first segment to really capture people's attention? So I think the secret is that you have to strategize and think about if you're scrolling through the For You page, people are usually scrolling like at a ferocious rate, right? They're not like slowly doing it. They're doing it very fast to see something that catches their attention. The most lowbrow, cheap shot way to do it is like if you're really hot and you have an amazing body, then all you have to do is like stand there and people will watch your video. But like, when you, if you're like me and you have, uh, if you haven't been working out since quarantine hit and you can't just be like half naked and like get eyes, <laughs> then um, you have to be a little creative. And like, I don't want to say every big creator is like super creative because actually some creators, I will say, like just to be very blunt, got super lucky and they don't do anything and they get like a shit ton of views. But there's a lot of creators on the app who are actually like myself, that storyboard and take the time to really put time and care into the video. So like if I'm going to make a skincare video, I'm not just going to be like, all right, guys, today we're going to talk about skincare, hit record. Um, Hey, guys, I love this skincare, whatever. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, okay, this is the shot that I want. I want this shot in at 4 p.m. because the lighting hits really great there and I want it to look (laughs) this way because I know the ordinary is like really hot on TikTok. So in one video, 
I, I mentally made a note. I was like, I need to mention the ordinary within the first 10 seconds because I know it's super hot and people will be like, Ooh, the ordinary. What does he want to say about the ordinary? I was like, you've all heard about the ordinary, but have you heard about Neod? That's the video that went um, viral recently. Yes. That was yeah. the one that Rebecca showed me. Yeah. Yeah. So because I knew I was like, I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this, this elevated skincare line. I want to talk about all these ingredients, but I knew within the first five, 10 seconds, I needed to say something that would make people be like, Oh, what's, what's that? What's that about? You know? So for me, at least it's a very planned thing. It's a very time intensive thing. I've been losing a lot of sleep because of TikTok, because planning <laughs> out my videos, but like so many other like skincare companies reached out after that video. So it's like the algorithm is so smart because it's hitting the type of people that will naturally engage with that content. And that's why I think TikTok is so successful because if you were to go on the platform right now as a brand new account, let's say all the videos you started liking were like dog videos, then best believe your For You page is going to be populated with like dog videos because it knows that's the type of content you engage with the most. So it's just such a great algorithm. I love TikTok for that reason because it's really uh, the discoverability with that platform is exponentially higher than I would say like like an Instagram or I mean YouTube is will always be great. I love YouTube, but um, I for sure will not get bored scrolling through TikTok for hours. What would you say is the biggest difference between a TikTok and like Instagram stories? Speaking to a total like layperson, I've never used TikTok before. And I think like, okay, short videos with like editing options. That sounds like stories. Stories doesn't have the discoverability of the For You page. The key of TikTok success is the For You page. So on stories, it's like it shows you stories from people you're following, right? And with TikTok, it populates your For You page with creative content. So it's not just going to be like, oh, Susie is showing off her latte from Alfred's. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, it could be that, but it has to be like creatively done enough to catch people's engagement. So it's almost like it's vetted content that is going to be great and entertaining if you're scrolling through the for you page. Whereas like on Instagram stories, you might see some really boring videos or some videos that just would, shouldn't even be posted. Yeah. It's you know, more just like, like normie, <laughs> your friends posting about yeah. their day and then yeah. TikTok is highly produced. For sure. It's a thousand, a million times percent that. So with TikTok, they have their own creator platform or the creative marketplace. So it's like you can sign up as a creator and you can uh, like brands can can contact you and can find you that way. I've worked with a lot of different brands. I've worked with everyone from like um, like record companies that want to promote their song to, let's say, a, a, a brand that wants to get eyes on their new product. So that's a really exciting space because I feel like brands are always a little bit late on trends. Like I've had discussions with brands where they're talking about their budget and they're like, we only want to do Instagram and YouTube. Like that's it because uh, TikTok is such a new space that we don't want to spend any money in, you know, playing with, with TikTok because it's, they're not sure about that platform yet because it's so volatile But yeah, I I think that it's more and more brands are starting to come around and be like, oh, actually, TikTok is probably the most powerful social media platform right now. And that actually sets TikTok apart from Facebook and Twitter in that they have their they're like doing their own brand deals. So like whereas with Instagram, like there'll be like a third party agency that's like signing influencers up and brands up on the other side to support each other. If TikTok is is creating those relationships themselves, TikTok's probably taking a cut and that's like another revenue stream for them, which is pretty 
Sweet. Yeah, and they they also started rolling out ads. So now they're also doing paid content where it's like, okay, if you want to get your content pushed out there, then you can pay us and we'll put your content out. So it's like they're just I feel like they've they learned from Vine, from Instagram, from every other like predecessor that came before them and they just made it into like a super app. How much money could like a TikToker like say yourself make doing these two kinds of like brand deals? Well, I mean, again, every content creator is different and every brand's budget is different. I I've had brands say, Oh, uh, where our budget is two hundred dollars for ten videos. Like literally a brand <laughs> has said that before and I like was like, okay, so basically you want to pay $20 for one video? You're like, basically you want me to pay you to do your video. <laughs> and then um, there's some brands that are like, their budget is like a few thousand. But honestly, it's such a new space that brands, the range and the money that they spend is very wide. And it's it's there's not like a specific number, I would say. I did hear through the grapevine the other day that one of the top creators, I don't know if this is true. They were saying that one of the top creators on the platform was charging like um, a quarter to half a million per video. And I was like, what the heck? I can believe that. Speaking of the top creators on the platform, have you ever been to the Hype House or gotten invited to any of those like TikTok <laughs> houses? I did. I went to the Hype House um, last, I want to say February before COVID. Yeah, before definitely before COVID. Oh, the hype um, houses sure. are like the all the houses are alive and well. So for for listeners who don't know what the hype house is and thinks we're crazy, explain to me like briefly what the hype house is and then tell us about your experience there. Like it's like a content house. So it's a bunch of creators, they live together, they create content. In Encino. Um, yeah, a lot of them are in Encino. <laughs> uh it's a lot of them are in Encino. Some of them are like scattered throughout LA, but yeah, it's basically like a house where people create content and paid for and by TikTok, right? No, it's not. It's TikTok doesn't arrange it. It's more like um, third party, like management companies or oh, like investors or it. like business entrepreneurs or just sometimes it's just like random friends. There's no business direction. They're just like, let's make a house because like it's cool. And so <laughs> you know? the hype house is like the most popular one. It's the one in which Charlie D'Amelio and Little Huddy, Lil Huddy, yeah, like lived at one point and like the. <laughs> Lopez brothers and like yeah. the one that James Charles is always like making cameos in. Uh-huh. So a bunch of TikTokers come together like for a party at a hype house and then do they like strategize around okay, let's do a video together. What should we do or I think a lot of it happens organically. Like when I went there, they were having a birthday party, so it was very chill. What you think it is, is exactly that times maybe 10. Meaning like, oh, you think, oh, it's going to be a bunch of people in a house, like kind of chaotic and kind of just making video. Like it's exactly that. There's like um, a bunch of ring lights, uh, a bunch of like Doritos and M&Ms. Dan- <laughs> exactly. Dancing. It's like, it's a really fun, like just a surreal environment because I mean, what what's happening in the social media space? Like, it's so new. So it's like, if you were to say this idea 10 years ago, like people would be like, oh my God, what the heck? But it's, it's very interesting because a lot of the um, content creators on TikTok, they're very passionate kids who want to make content, who ha- are driven to like make a name for themselves. So everybody comes to LA with this like, like their dream in the hand. Like, I want to be famous. I want to be known. I want to be all this stuff. That kind of uh, personality type is extremely drawn to a place like LA and you put them all in a house and it's just like the dynamic can be very interesting. Some might say explosive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, put it this way, like being famous takes a lot of work. You need to put a lot into it. So it's like, if you're going to spend that much time to pursue fame, there's something happening inside of you to really want that validation on that level. So what I'm trying to say is like that personality type to begin with, like someone who wants and needs a lot of attention, including myself, it's just like that there's something happening there. So it's you're not just your like your normal everyday person where you're what's like go, what's what's happening inside you that makes you want that? Well for me it's like because growing up I was never like Asian people and just Asian representation, it was never a thing. Like we were never seen. So I'm just like hell bent on being seen because I'm like I've never felt represented. Like some people don't have parents and they felt like maybe they didn't get enough love as a child. Maybe some people like felt like they were never pretty in high school. And now they're, you know, that whole thing about during the high school reunions or whatever they people talk about, like all the popular kids become like a shell of their former selves and all the nerds become super hot. Like you've mm-hmm. heard of that dynamic, yeah. right? But it's like social media, I feel like is that, but like times a million because it's a bunch of kids that maybe didn't get enough validation when they were growing up that now have this supercharged ability to get it. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole new, a whole new world of, of yeah. They get it immediately too. Like it's like the the right. feedback loop is so short. It's not like you're you're making a movie and then eight months later, like it comes out and like you get to see what people think. It's like you put up a video, it gets a million views, and like all of a sudden, right. instant. Yeah, all of a sudden you're famous, and that's why so many of the TikTok stars. It's really interesting to see where I've seen some kids that are like one day they go from zero to one hundred that don't have any kind of plan of what they want to do. And then all of a sudden they go viral and now they're like famous and it happens so quickly and instantly. Whereas like, I feel like on YouTube or on Instagram, at least even a few years ago, some of those content creators, it took years for them to build up to the point that they are now. Whereas like on TikTok, everything is happening so fast. So it's just very interesting because the social media space is is relatively new in the time span of like human existence, right? So all of this stuff that's happening, we are in a renaissance of of uh, a very interesting time that's never going to happen again. Because you're we're like in the a social anthropologist social slash influencer. <laughs> I, I think a lot about these kind of things. I'm not just like floating around. Like I like to think a lot about these things and how it impacts people's lives and how it affects like humanity and all of these things because there's so much happening that I don't think people really understand the full scope and magnitude of what is really happening, which is this time period that we're in right now, we're never going to have the same thing because right now everything is in its infancy in terms of social media. So I'm like just taking as much in as I can. It's cool. It's very exciting, but it's also kind of scary because who knows what the landscape will be like five years from now. The scariest thing I think is that the shelf life of an influencer is becoming shorter and shorter and shorter where the faster they rise, now the faster they fall. The revolving door is constantly going. I just want to focus on my work and be creative. And if something like happens where it's like I'm dating someone and this person is super clouded up and famous and whatever, and it's like, okay, if that happens, then fine. But it's like I'm not purposely like inserting myself in those situations to get clicks. I could be. There's been so many situations where I could have. Sometimes I do look at people who are like in that kind of space where they're doing everything they can to like cling on to clicks and views. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what, <laughs> what that would be like. But then at the end of the day, I'm just like, okay, I'm, that's not what my whole thing is about. My energy is not, I don't want to put it towards that. I'd rather put it into a business, build it up 
and um, sell it for a lot of money and just <laughs> live my entrepreneurial life. You know, I so. like that. Amazing. Smart words. Where can we find your wigs and your hair products again? You can find them on www.moonfiber.co. And um, my Instagram profile is at Edward Z-O. And then I have like a link tree up there with all of my projects. I just was looking at your Instagram again and I saw you had a comment on your last post and you said, let's normalize all types of guys experimenting with makeup, not just quote soft boys and gender fluid boys. Guys, especially American guys, are from a very young age discouraged from exploring anything that is deemed to be other. It lends itself to a debilitating cycle of toxic, fragile masculinity. 2020 has been a cultural reset of the greatest magnitude. And with it, we are also experiencing an exciting new renaissance of progressive ideologies, trends, and attitudes. Have you sort of found that by being you and having this wig brand and, you know, caring about hair, living in America where, you know, hair and makeup for men is not as widely as embraced as it is in Asia, have you found that you've been able to help sort of break down some of those preconceived notions? Oh, absolutely. For sure. And um, it always sounds better when someone else is say it, but I'll be the first to say, like, I definitely have shifted trends in that space because, I mean, even with the wig stuff, like, nobody was doing that before I was doing it. There was no other stores that were selling it. And then I did it. And now there's other creators that are doing it. So even with that, that just happened this year. So um, I definitely think that I am moving the needle and I'm I'm glad to be doing that because I think it's it's much needed, and I think that the just like gender norms in in America, it's very like black and white. Even with guys that wear makeup, it's like okay, if you're a guy that wears makeup, then you have to be like give us lash and give us lip and give us all of these looks. But it's like that's not what makeup is always about. Like it's yeah, even with women, there's there's quite a range, right? So um, I just want to introduce a wide spectrum of different ideologies for someone out there to be like, oh, that speaks to me and I and I like that. So and I think that guys, especially like I said in the caption, um in America are uh it's changing a lot, but I feel like a lot of guys are limited in what they feel like they can and can't do. I love that. Last question, and I promise this is the last question. Your one skincare product, like Desert Island skincare product, you can only bring one thing. What is it? Just one. Yep. I need two. I need. I need at least two. I have eczema, so I need. Okay, two. Need at least two. It would be the Cerave foaming wash and the Cerave uh, moisturizing cream. Interesting. I thought you were going to go much more like high end. No, I because I talked about this in my video too. Like those two products, like saved my life. Wow, Cerave needs to be um, cutting you some checks. I used to have really bad skin and I have, I still do have eczema. And at one point it got so bad that I literally had like weeping lesions on my face. Like it was really bad. And the reason why it happened, it got so severe is because um, I had acne and eczema. So sometimes when you have acne, you get desperate and you're just like, okay, what do I need to put on it to make it go away? And you just end up like messing up your skin even more because like as you guys know, a lot of over-the-counter acne brands are very harsh on your skin, and so I got to the point where it was just like my skin was like really, really bad because it was just suffering from so many different things. So then I stopped everything cold turkey. I stopped every active acne treatment medication, all that stuff, 
And I simply just started using only two products and I went back to basics basically. And then from there, I repaired my skin barrier. I started learning a lot about skincare. I started reading up on ingredients and that's how I, I talked about this in my TikTok, but that's how I became super immersed in the world of skincare because it happened out of necessity. It wasn't like I was just sitting around one day playing with like serums. It was like because I needed to force myself to learn about like how to take care of my skin. I love that. <laughs> Sarah V, there you go. You heard it here first. Nick, is it time for product reviews? I think it is. Yay! The crowd goes wild. I want you wild. to start. So my product this week is free. Unless you have water issues where you live, obviously be responsible with your consumption. But this tip came from my acupuncturist, who I've seen once, named Paul Alexander. He's based in New York. Also, Nick, have you had acupuncture? Uh, yes. Did it have like a profound effect on you? No. Okay, so I wouldn't but I say- I also was going, I was going for curiosity's sake, not for like any specific ailment. So I wouldn't be able to really say whether it is worth it. Last summer, I went to see Paul because I was having a hard time sleeping among other things. And my friend who also goes to Paul recommended I see him. This person is beautiful. And I'm like, okay, if I can be in your shape and have your outlook on life- great. I'll see Paul. The actual acupuncture itself was very uncomfortable. I hate needles. Uh, One of the needles in my hand got caught on the blanket and I was too awkward to say anything to him. So I was laying there in pain the whole time. Oh Um, God. But when he told me I'm going to like poke you all over and your energy is going to drain into the bed. So be careful getting up. And it happened. Isn't that insane? Like he was like, I'm going to make all your energy drain into the earth right now. And it worked. Yes. I got up and I was like, Never in my life have I ever believed in these like, oh, you can be hypnotized or whatever. And yeah. even in therapy and stuff, they've tried to do, <laughs> you know, the, the medic- more medically vetted side of things. And I've just, it's, you know, I guess I never like thought enough happy thoughts and like believed enough for it to work. But yeah, I was drained. Really, it was hard to get up off of the bed. So something That's definitely really happened. Interesting. Um, and then he also told me, okay, your prescription is to take as cold as you can get it, showers every day, two hours before bed for three minutes. He said, separate it from like your normal bathing routine. Don't like bathe while you're doing this. Just stand there and it resets your nervous system. You have to like let it fall on top of your head. So yeah, it's obviously very hard to train yourself up for. He's like, do 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. So I've built my tolerance back up to two minutes. I've been doing it two hours before bed for four nights now and I sleep like a rock. Really? Yes, it works. And I said it last summer too. I was telling people to do it. And I know I sound like a crazy person. I don't believe it when people tell me to do these like weird things that don't cost any money. I want to pay a lot of money or I don't think that they work. Yeah. But yeah, I, it was. it's even been hard to get out of bed for the past two days. <laughs> Three minutes, cold shower, two hours before bed. Right. That's your product of the week. I like it. <laughs> that was a really long way of saying, getting to that point, but thank you. I have another sort of productless product of the week. So my cousin's girlfriend and my cousin's girlfriend's sister, I was FaceTiming with them last week and they told me about this Instagram account called Dumoi, D-E-U-X-M-O-I. And it's a private Instagram account. So you have to you know request to follow it and then you get approved. I think she approves everyone, but it is incredible. It's all firsthand 
accounts of interactions with celebrities that are DM to this woman who runs the account. And so she'll publish like these DMs, like I ran into Brad Pitt, like in Chicago once, and he was so nice. Or, you know, I saw Leonardo DiCaprio when he was filming Romeo and Juliet in Veracruz, Mexico. And I, here's a picture I took with him. And it's like just the best, like little anecdotes from all sorts of celebrities. And she's also been breathlessly covering the Logan Paul FBI raid, which is my new favorite story of the week. And there are these blind items that like there was a YouTuber who was allegedly a big drug dealer and also like trafficking or selling some sort of pornography. And so people are saying on Dumois that like maybe the FBI raid was not just about firearms, but also about these like other illegal activities that he was participating in. I just want to note that that was Nick Axelrod saying all of those things. <laughs> while we do, while we do share a podcast, I do not. <laughs> you don't share those views. If you, you know, but have I just a think if you that. if you like, I mean, I like celebrity gossip. But what I like about this gossip is it's a it's not super you know it's not like trashy like saying like it's not super salacious. It's more like I ran into Julianne Moore in the Hamptons and she was delightful and like took a picture and like said hi to my kid. It's a little bit like more lighthearted, but I find myself reading every single one of the screenshots that uh, she posts in a day. And I highly recommend it as a IG follow. So (laughs) shout out to my cousin's girlfriend, Haley for turning me on to this account. I feel so bad. D E U X M O I. Great. So two free products of the week, right? Exactly. And the one thing I wanted to mention is that we are hoping to do a Q&A show in the next few weeks, and we would love cues from our audience. So if you have any questions, it can be as simple as like, what the fuck is toner? Or it can be as complicated as... You know, How do you find love in the age of COVID? Yeah, we can we can attempt and fumble our way through answers to any of those questions, and we will do so in an episode in a few weeks. If and only if you, our dear audience listeners, send us questions. I think we should call it for this week's episode of Eyewitness Beauty. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This is where you say, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. But actually, very seriously, uh, reviews and particularly five-star reviews are the way that we get you know, noticed by the Apple Podcast system. So the more reviews we get, the more stars we get, the more ratings we get, uh, the more of a chance we have to be promoted, I think, within that ecosystem. So every single review and star rating really matters to us. And if you like the podcast and want us to continue... To do it, please, please, please give us a review. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our art is by Simon Abranowitz, and our theme music is by Danny Prezant. And we'll be back next week with another brand new episode. We will talk to you then. See you in the shower. Three minutes, two hours before bed.